Hi, and welcome to episode two of Best Podcast. As always, I'm Tim. Uh, today's episode, we have a guest. His name is Jeff Bukowski. We talk about acting and sword fighting and other crazy randomness. I would also like to announce that you can find us on Stitcher, which is a podcast app for iTunes and Android markets. And you can also find us on iTunes now by putting Best Podcast into their little searchy bar. And don't forget to email us with, well, whatever you want at bestpodcast.outlook.com and maybe your emails will be read on air. Who knows? So uh, enjoy the show and have fun. I could stare no at this. Zeus, thanks for starting the show that way. You're good about that. No bells. I could stare at this light forever. <sighs> we're Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's where I am. Yes, we're on air. Now. Yeah. Yes, so, on air. We're, we're welcome, on air. welcome to episode two of Best Podcast. Lol. Eh? Oh God. What? What do you want from me? To say something. Hi. Speak words. Words. Oh God! I'm gonna be like them. a Tumblr avatar. <laughs> <laughs> Just realized what that what using Netspeak sounds like out loud on one of these. So uh, I, as always, am Tim. And I'm Amanda. I'm Jeff, and I have an adorable puppy over here. And and yes, Zeus is here too. So Zeus. today on the show we have a, a guest. Hi, uh, Jeff. He's a good friend of ours and an actor. Aspiring since you know. <laughs> I'm not one of the ten percent that makes a living off of it yet. So Jeff, Jeff is an aspiring actor. <laughs> so Jeff, before we get into the crazy nonsense that we were talking about before, oh god, um, what 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 is your acting background? Just so we can get a gauge of as in training. As yes, training. Did you go? Did you go to school for it? How many things have you done? Um, when I was ten, I saw Cats as a birthday gift. And I was like, this is amazing and I want to do this thing. And that pretty much stayed the same right up to college, hit college, proceeded to uh, make it my major. I had had lessons before then um, for a very short time. Uh, Downtown Shelton, actually, uh, next to Children's Studio. Um, Got to college, made it my major, met people and interacted and had social connections in college solely because of that. Oh my god, college theater departments are amazing, also. Um, you can start singing lines from a musical, and within a minute, everyone is singing the song. <laughs> Literally, musical numbers break out. That's not funny. I went to high school with that. That's not fun. But see, in a college, it's isolated from everyone else who doesn't want to hear it. No, no, no. It's isolated. My group of friends, it's isolated. So it's we would be fucking hanging out at a house, and all of a sudden, Wicked would be singing, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. Shut the actual fuck up. Let's see. We had but that's because I'm not that person. We had Wicked. We had Rent. A lot of the time, it was Rent. Rent was a thing, because Rent is easy to memorize. Yeah, it is. And also very silly. Yes. Dog. Like something like the dog who is dancing now. Why are you dancing, Zeus? Zeus is not the guy. Because he's he's best podcast mascot. Yes. <laughs> um, the giraffe. Oh, 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 oh. 
Um, Zeus has taken to eating the eyes off of his toys. Yes. Yeah, we have to de-eye them before we give them to him <laughs> because he will eat and consume the eyes. Terrifying. And God only knows when it comes out. It's some, it it's some sort of predator instinct that he has. <laughs> Make it so they can't see him and then he can attack from all sides. Blind your opponents. <laughs> if a man cannot see, he cannot fight. Um, so yeah, that... Uh, got out of college, proceeded to do lots of community theater in the area, while being completely unable to do anything in New York because money. Specifically, mortgage payments were the school loan money. Uh-huh. Um, worked in Waterbury, worked in Bridgeport, worked in Connecticut Free Shakespeare on the tech crew. Fuck, I wish I could forget that experience. Um, Is tech crew not that fun? Professional techies hate actors, and I'm not the best with people anyway, so if it's people who don't necessarily... Like people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there was, that, was a, that was an issue. Also, while I have, a, while I have tech experience, because that was work-study at college, which was, was just, you know, build sets in sh- for the shows... For almost every show that they did, mo- many of which I was in, was I built the set, or I helped. I do not have sufficient experience to, apparently, do professional tech stuff. Or rather, I probably do, I just need to be more confident about it, but honestly, just got a, that was a bad experience. All, all right. That, um, and then a lot of work in Newtown, in uh, the town player, in the little theater in Newtown, which is run by the town players, which is this little spot up in the woods that looks like it was plucked out of a horror movie and sort of feels like it inside too. But it's, it's a wonderful space. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a wonderful little space to work in if you like intimate. Like everyone else is like, oh my god, I'm used to bigger stages, and I'm like, this was college. I'm fine. Um, also, the people are great. There are, there are people I have done shows with up there where I will be in a scene just not paying attention because I'm listening to them. I still managed to do my lines, but I'm like, yes, talk more, old man. I love listening to you speak. Um, and then from there, there's the fair, of course, which you know has allowed me to get stage combat on my resume, which yay. Um, and I think we mentioned the fair on this podcast. There was a yeah. fair. Well, it's only episode two, so there was right, a fair. and I don't think that we talked about it. No, no, we did. we talked about House of Cards in the last podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, those thing. things. Those things. And I'm just, like, cobbling together stuff. I do voices just since middle school. That's like, the thing I do. Like voice so, acting, or...? It's the goal. The end goal is voice acting. But it's like, that helps. Having a wide variety of different things I can do. Even if they're not necessarily technically accurate as far as, like, accents that aren't really quite accurate to what they're supposed to be from. Um, it's considerably helpful in getting into a voice acting career because you need to have characters. And if you have characters, then it's from, that's what you use to make a demo reel is all these different distinct personalities you can do. And like that. Do Green Man. That was pretty much that. Oh, okay. Except it's, you know... But, uh, <laughs> that was closer to old man. This is... Now I'm an ent from Lord of the Rings because that was the direction. <laughs> he agrees with Zeus does not like Green Man Tree voices Tree Zeus voices. is like This is not my friend I don't know what just happened <laughs> This man is possessed Possessions Face Yeah 
<laughs> so, all right. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about stage combat because you you and I both know about that, and Amanda's had been forced to watch it. <laughs> so. Fuck that shit! <laughs> I can't have my own interests. Damn it! <laughs> you can just share them. Yeah, you but can have you, your own. Yeah, you want to share accounting? No. Is that what you want to share? No. That's not an interest, that's a job. No, that's an interest. No, literally. Math is my interest. Amanda is obsessed with math. Oh, I am. I've been talking too much to the body snatcher noise properly, but. He did a math class last semester. I'd come home from work at midnight and be like, do you have math homework I can do? Yeah. Like, let me do your homework. God bless you for that. I, <laughs> I, did, I didn't master multiplication as a basic thing. So no, I didn't know algebra until I had to apply it to a debate on the abilities of different fictional characters. I would come home from high school math classes, and in bed before I went to sleep, I had a whiteboard and I would make my own math problems and solve them. That's why you're in accounting. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I literally did that. I didn't know that before. That's frightening. <laughs> I'd literally write on my whiteboard, I had a little whiteboard on my, on my bed, and I'd literally make up a problem from whatever we did in class that day and solve it all night long. I, I, and I would just keep doing that. Wow. That's, because it was fun. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I'm the inversion of that. I can, like, if I had the attention span to do it, I'd have written novels already. Because I can write really well. But, you know, mathematics is... is yeah, she's the only reason I passed my math class. Like, <laughs> You uh, might not want to put this on air. <laughs> well, do it. Say it. <laughs> She, uh, she took a test for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's too late now. You got the credits. He had a take-home test, and I did it. I made him do it, too. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she made me do it, too, after she did it. Yeah, yeah, I did it, and then I had the answers, and I was like, here, now do this problem, because he still had to take a test after that, yeah, so, so I had to make sure fun. he knew how to do it, when, but I also did all of his homework. At the point in math class when we got to imaginary numbers, like, my brain just fell apart. I, I can handle it. It really did. You were like, I don't understand if it's imaginary, how is it a number? Like you just <laughs> yeah. couldn't comprehend. I, I can understand imaginary numbers. My my capability fell apart just past basic algebra. And the thing is it shouldn't, because all math really is, is this is a pattern, and when you memorize this pattern, all the things fall into place, and I I can. I cannot process information that way. Yeah. And then there's also the other things, like I get I get remarkably sick. And I don't care how many times it's been proven that this is sort of accurate in certain circumstances. Anytime I hear, well, math applies to everything. No, it doesn't. Stop that. So, like, look, the, the math says this. The math doesn't take into account human fucking interaction. And I know in some cases it does. You can actually, for example, map uh, the actions of certain types of criminals by mathematical formulas. That's yeah, proven. through calculus. Yeah, that's proven. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> math and chemistry are like... No, no. My chemistry, pleasure. Chemistry is a different thing. Chemistry is just fun. <laughs> well, not the actual, like, experience of... Not the actual practice of chemistry. Not the mixing shit. The the theory of chemistry. I fucking loved that part. Where just, you were, like, solving equations. It was math that was applied to chemistry. See, I fucking loved it. The, the, the actual doing of chemistry was great for me. But that's because the high school I went to, the dog hates something. That's I didn't like, care about that. I, I let other people do the do the experiments. And then I wrote, wrote up their sh- I wrote up their shit. Well, why do you hate something outside of the door? He hates everything outside the door. Anyway. <laughs> like, we, I had a teacher in, in high school. His name is Mr. Peone. Remember that name. He's gone now and he was a god. And he was just like... A teacher. Oh. The man was amazing. I was like, what is it? 
takes a bunch of little crystals on a spoon. Okay, so this is what we're going to be experimenting with today. Of course, it's an all-boys high school, so one guy goes, Hey, can you get an all-boys high school? I didn't know that that thing still existed. Yeah, don't you get him um, one guy goes, hey, you get high off that? And he goes, yes. Looks, looks, he goes, yeah, looks down at the spoon. This much would probably kill you three times over. And then he just proceeded with the class. <laughs> the man was vastly too smart to be, to be teaching the courses he was teaching. You could ask him anything. He'd go on about that subject. I learned things about that subject, about things that, like, weren't what we were learning. But... Yeah, it's always best when the teachers are well-versed in what they're teaching. And when they like it. Yeah. Mm. Some, That's some... why I feel like I might be a good math teacher, because I fucking love math. Yeah. Well, yeah, you made up your own math problems at home and did them. It was fun, damn it! <laughs> we didn't have video games growing up, it was fun! Isn't was the point, was it, was it Crack.com made that joke? Not even a joke, is the only reason kids used to play outside... Is because they were waiting for video games to exist. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, oh, the kids don't play outside anymore. It's, H, when you were had this shit when you were little, you wouldn't know either. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's one of the uh, logical fallacy arguments. Like, if this if this existed when you were a kid, you wouldn't have been outside. You would have been pl- playing fucking modern combat with everyone else. Which is sort of it's like, why are there eight year olds on this game? This is. Because their parents don't give a shit. Stop playing Black Ops, child. <laughs> I had that happen... Oh my God, and then screaming that. obscenities at me when you lose. <laughs> I had that happen in the mall today. I'm sitting there eating. I went I went to return a suit for upcoming wedding. Mother went with me to make sure I was able to get something that was, you know, viable in its place. <laughs> Because, yeah, wife couldn't do well, future wife couldn't do it, and there's no one else I can go with. So, we're in the food court. I'm eating. I just have to look over, and there's this kid, 10 or so, holding Saints Row, happily talking about it to, I guess it was his father. And I'm looking at that going, You are not old enough to be playing that game. Listen, parents don't care anymore. My parents are, are an example of that. I have two younger brothers who play Call of Duty and Black Ops and all that fucking shit. And the youngest is 11 now. And they've been playing this shit for three years. Like, the, par- the parents... My parents have tried to be like, no, but then they don't care and they just give the games back. And they buy them sometimes for them. Yes, like, that. It's like, how Auto. They play that too. How hard is it to not purchase something for your kid? It's really apparently difficult. Seriously, it's, it's, like, it's not even like banning it, because I, you know, Lord knows my mother couldn't do that, because I wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat, but I had friends who wanted the game. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, do you remember when Mortal Kombat was like the thing that yeah. you couldn't do, mm-hmm. because it was too graphic? Mm-hmm. The little fake droplets of blood coming out of guys when you punched them? Oh, that was spine ripping. Yeah, the spine ripping. But, but. And there was a validity there, children imitate media. It's not nearly as important as people think it is. Have you ever ripped someone's spine out? Not for lack of wanting to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's, there's something about there, but it's like, seriously, you know, my didn't want me to play these. You know what the first time was I was able to buy a Mortal Kombat game? When I was 18. 18. Bought one. Still tried to talk me out of it. <laughs> but didn't, you know, prevent me from, from getting it. Listen... When I was a kid, we didn't even have video games. My parents said, no, you can't have video games. And that was that. 
I fucking played video games at cousins' houses, that's for damn sure, and at friends' houses, but at my house there was no video games. Right, I mean, like, how hard is that? No, Jimmy, I choose not to spend $400 on this new expensive entertainment box. And I mean, now... Well, keep in mind, though, those same parents now bought my brother's PS2s and PS3s. And I mean, that's the thing. Now, in, in the grand old year of 2014... It's a bit different because there's a realistic expectation on all children's part to have at least something. Apparently. Even if it's like a wee, wee U. Yeah. Wee U. Yeah, so there, there's that. And that's understandable. But even then, it's like, hey, I don't want you playing this game. I choose not to get it for you. Yeah. And if somebody else buys it for you, it gets returned. Real fucking even, simple. Well, actually, I suppose, because it's most of those games that are going to be um, uh, unapproved of. Are ones that aren't valid after a couple, after like a year anyway. Like the entire Modern Warfare series fails to be relevant a year after it comes out because they come out with the same game with a reskin and they call it a new one. Yeah, um, then that's most games now. Most games they come out every year with best? a newer, shinier one. That's the same game. The, one of the best reviews I remember reading was like a parent. I found, I forget how, but I found a, a gaming review site for parents. That's what it was uh, advertised as. I think that's actually was in the URL. And I found uh, Devil May Cry 4, which is a very spectacularly violent game, but it's all fantasy violence. You I, you fight human-looking opponents a total of three or four times. And I remember reading it through, and I'm like, oh, God, it's parents. It's going to be stupid. Because oh. it was actually a very seemingly set out, and it's like, you know, kids may try to point out that all the violence in here is largely leveled against monsters and other such creatures, so bear that in mind when you're making your decision. I'm like, where do I leave a combination about this? This is how you look at these things. You know, it's like, don't just turn it off, oh, it's okay, Jimmy, play the game, you shove a glass in someone's mouth and then punch them. And, you know, there's, that's one extreme, and then there's the other extreme of, yeah, just, just, um, no, you can't have anything. Anything. Ever. No. It's not, it cannot be that hard. What's stunning to me, actually, is the concept of parents who don't want to be involved in this case. Like, admittedly, it might just take longer for our generation to hit the point where we're all having kids because, you know, no one is going anywhere because of various socioeconomic factors. But, like, when I have kids, Lord knows what video game will be like then. But it'll be like, okay, hey, you want to do this thing? Okay, well, let's look at it. What's it do? Probably one, I'll probably know more about it than they do when they want it. <laughs> and two, the next question, the next question after, is it acceptable or not? Is is there multiplayer so I can play with them? <laughs> well, I, I've heard the thing a couple of times where uh, parents nowadays want to play video games. Just give their kid a controller that's not connected to anything or not turned on. <laughs> And, and let the kid pretend that he's playing the game with the adult. Depending on the age of the kid, yeah. Here, you know, so you, I'm going to set my three-year-old on the couch. I'm going to give him the controller, and then Samus is going to blow things up. <laughs> then the kid will just stick the controller in his mouth. And... Yeah, and that is how you play. Like, it's a Wii. That will work. <laughs> I don't want to, like, you know... Just make sure you put, like, the Wii condom on it first so it doesn't get all messy. This took a turn, so... <laughs> I don't want to crush your dreams or anything, but I, I, our children are going to be raised like I was raised. They're not playing video games. They're going to read books listen, and you, do math problems. Listen, you can't stop video games when they're beamed directly into your head. <laughs> that one, that's true. Two, middle ground. 
Here's a book. Get the one. Get them to like books first. Yeah. Get them. Make sure you know. In, instill an, an unavoidable love of reading first. I think that's what I'm worried about. Like, because I was brought up with no video games and just like read or go outside and play. And I love to read now. And meanwhile, my brothers had video games from inception, and now they well, they don't read anything yes. well, ever. One of your younger brother has a has a Kindle, yes. but your parents got him the wrong. Kindle. He's got the Kindle that he can play games and watch movies on. I told on. my mother that. When she asked me if that was a good idea, I was like, well, on that Kindle, he can play games and stuff, so if you want to get him something that's technological and make him excited about reading, you should get one that's just for reading. Then all he can do is read on it. It's it's you being dubious about it. You instill an um, avid love of reading first, and then you say, here's the shiny electronic thing, because, again, we go into psychology, nothing else can compete with video games. Nothing. Yeah. There is nothing that delivers that much just visceral endorphin, whatever the hell the chemical is, satisfaction, yeah. that quickly. And right. I'm quoting Penny Arcade there, but that's it's true. There's nothing. I mean, I love reading. I can finish huge books in, in hours. I've done it. I don't anymore. And it's like, not that I love reading any less. It's just like, look, I want to see the story... Of the shiny thing with the with the lights. Yeah. <laughs> and back to the book. I mean, you know, there's there's what's it? There are book series that I can still say have affected me more strongly than any video game. But at the same time, you find certain. I mean, some game, you, some game, a lot of games are just eh. But you find some games um, that are really good, and they will match most any book. So unless you put that interest. In reading there to begin, it's like the problem people worried about with TV. Only it's legitimate <laughs> and worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, unless you put a love of reading there first, why? Why would you bother? I mean, there's also too one of my goals. That we're going to bring it all <laughs> way back to an hour ago in acting. Now. <laughs> all the way back around. Actually, it's probably <clears throat> half an hour. <clears throat> one of my goals is to do voice acting and gaming, which you get paid shit for. <clears throat> Let's be honest, you get paid... I mean, I think Grand Theft Auto was brought up. I can't remember if we were on there before then or not, but Grand Theft Auto Brown 4 was... Um, <coughs> was the biggest voice acting game ever. And they got paid fast food wages. Yeah. Well, that's one of the problems is is the uh, a lot of the industries aren't able to keep up with the technology and they're paying their people shit. Movies is another industry where they're paying their special effects people fucking garbage. And it's like Those hey, people, the people who are making the movie interesting. The people who won the Academy Award last year for Life of Pi <laughs> got played off stage because they started talking about how shitty the special <laughs> effects industry is being treated and how many Did they really? yeah and how many special <laughs> effects. Producers are going bankrupt for doing movies. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's. I mean, there's one still around, and it's it's industrial light and magic. Yeah, but that's because Lucas's true legacy will live on forever. And now, and now Disney has has bought all of that. Yeah, so and and is picking it apart however it winds. Well, it's it's strictly speaking, from what we've we've seen in recent movies, they're they're what's the word? Parlaying? No, that's wrong. That's it's a word similar to that. Is they're they're deploying it to their maximum benefit. Yeah. 
Which is, you know, what you'd expect them to do. They're, they're, they're reorganizing all of the Lucas stuff so that it actually fucking works. Yeah. Um, because Disney has a very adaptable model for that sort of thing. Because and they own half the world. Yeah. Because... Mike owns the other third and someone else owns the rest. Because they own 74 square miles of land things. in Florida and they can do whatever they want. So... <laughs> <laughs> Florida is Disney. They, well, they, no, Florida is Disney. They own they own a large chunk of land. Well, pretty soon, they're just going to rename that state into Disney. <laughs> the whole state. Is There's not going to be a Florida anymore. It's Florida be- would benefit from that. I know it would. <laughs> you ask people who like you look at people who live in Florida. They point out Florida, at least the Orlando area, even especially is Disney. And the parts that aren't Disney are so desperate to show that they're not Disney that they're still Disney. Yeah. And the parts that aren't Disney are so desperately poor that they wish they were Disney. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, yeah. Florida is either desolate wasteland, <laughs> Disney, or beaches. That's it. It's like going to Colorado. <laughs> I went to Colorado and I'm like, where is all the everything? Um, <laughs> in Denver, that's it. I was in Denver. There's nothing there. There's, well, nothing. there's Mile High Stadium, and that is it. There's well, nothing. There's there's not even a city. There are some buildings that are always in the distance. There are some buildings that are always in the distance. They can never get you. Yes. It's like the end of the rainbow. You're never going to find they're them. Always exa- like the mountains, they're always exactly the same distance away. <laughs> and that sort of looks like a city, but everything else is roads and empty space. We've been and traveling for days. <laughs> Where are these buildings? I, I told that to the friend. It was I went out there for my best friend's wedding. And I told her, you need to understand, this is so far out of my experience, I don't have a, a frame of reference, because where I'm from, all of this would be trees or water or houses. <laughs> and it's just big, empty space. <laughs> you could kill somebody out here. No one would ever know. Well, now there's going to be even less in Denver, because everyone's high all the time. <laughs> Oh, it's funny because it's 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 very. Well, there'll be pop fields above, now, right? It's very above altitude. So, so the very original thing that we were going to talk about before we went on that amazing tangent was stage combat. Look, were we really? Yeah. <laughs> I am here. This is going to be a podcast of tangents. <laughs> I apologize. That makes it fantastic. I cannot stop myself. <laughs> so let's let's at least start with stage combat. Fighty things are fun, and it's fun. For literally the same reason wrestling is fun, and it's why you see people often who have backgrounds in amateur. This sounds. This is gonna sound stupid. Fair warning. Amateur pro wrestling. One of the guys who handles the guy, the guy who handles fights for the group nights of Gore. Yeah. Has a wrestling background, and you can tell. But it's it's because it's stage combat is the same thing. You yeah. Look like you're fighting. You're not really fighting. It's not also as horrifyingly, punishingly physical, unless you're stupid about it. Yeah, you don't... It's also fun for both people who get stabbed and people who do the stabbing. Yes. Normally, yes. Unless you're an idiot, like (laughs) me, and you make newbie mistakes with three years' experience. (laughs) And ignore Amanda with all the crinkling and crunching she's doing. I want chips! She's eating a lot of potato chips. So for the next five minutes, you're going to hear crunch, 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 crunch. And if you heard it in the previous ten minutes, that was Amanda and Jeff. Chips! <laughs> um, it's... I mean, she said it. Amanda said it accurately. It's fun for the person stabbing and being stabbed because you have the thrill of physical exertion. And if you've never done that, it's, it's a completely true thing. Like, this is one reason people who do sports actually continue to do it. 
Two, you have the thrill of performance, which I don't see why, I mean, at least right now, I don't necessarily see why most actors ever bother to get into drugs, because damn, the rush. Oh, look, applause. I can ride this for a week. They do it to get away from the paparazzi. You know what or else they do it because they go to movies where there is no more applause. That was sad. Oh, that was sad. I didn't think about that for a second. That's very sad. <laughs> not, not universally, because a lot of them are really successful when they do it, and it's just like, I really, really wanted some cocaine. And then I wanted all the cocaine. You know, it might just be peer pressure. All the other actors are doing it. (laughs) But regardless, it's performing on all by itself is a rush. Physical exertion provides literally a chemical rush. Never mind that. You mix those two together, and it's all the exhilaration of doing a sport without the often horrible personality that comes with it. Not universally. There's a former athlete here. But... Often, you know, I mean, the stereotype of the asshole jock exists for a reason. And you stage combat is a lot of the same, but you you ditch the competitiveness angle that can breed that in really anyone. Um, largely ditch, I shouldn't say completely, because there's the whole, why didn't I get the big fight? So yeah. That's the thing that happens. That hey, is, that hey, is thing that happens. I threw one of those fits. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is absolutely the thing that happens. But instead of... Um, direct competition, you have alright everybody, work together to not only make this thing not suck uh, the Cowboys and whoever they were playing against at the beginning of this year but... The first game? Yes. Giants. Let's, let's never speak of that again. It was so bad. It, it's not only hey guys, let's work together to make this not suck it's let's work together to make this really good. So your job when you're in stage combat is literally perform, you know, do a really, really strenuous physical activity. Do it to the peak of your ability and do it so not only you, but everybody involved looks really good. And that other people believe it. Yes. Yes, that is, that is, the, that is probably the greatest part of, uh, of stage combat yes. is being able to say, yeah, no, that really happened. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, what's um? No, I mean like from from an audience from an audience perspective. Oh yeah, no. You person just get hit in the face. Yeah, yeah no. When the sure. audience goes up to you and is like, "How did you survive that?" Or was that real? Because they don't really know. They're like, yeah. "Did you really do that?" Like, there and was... then you pull up your shirt and you're like, "Yeah, see the blood." <laughs> <laughs> oh god, the working mistakes. There was there was a show I was in 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 college. Um, and God, I'm desperate not to be that guy. I'm desperate not to be... Well, I was in college, guy, but anyway. I was in... This college? Doesn't, this doesn't technically count as a performance space, so... I was in Macbeth in college, and I said that bit because it's an actor thing, whatever the hell. And we had a big... We had a really good stage combat guy. <laughs> he was very good. And so we went to him and we said, Craig, make these fights awesome. And he went, oh, we're gonna have fun. And so normally Macbeth is is a uh, sword fight at the end. Um, either broadswords if you're doing it strictly accurate, or sabers if you're want to be boring. Um, personal opinion. But we were doing it modern with, like, businesses. So it was a found object fight. So it ended with me and the guy playing Macbeth. Was it a stapler versus something? No, it was... Because that would be fun. He hit me with an end table. All right. 
and then broke the legs off it while I ripped up part of the set, and then we fought each other with that like they were scream sticks. <laughs> but before we got to that part, there's the part, the beginning of the fight that Beth is winning, and we decided to show this as much as we could. So he's kicking my ass literally up and down the set, and finally he drags me over to this beautiful boardroom table we'd set up. Grabs me by the hair, which, if you've seen wrestling or stage combat, it's the same thing. The person being grabbed is the one in control. And, to the audience perspective, slams my face into the table. And I won't do it here because I overload the mic. But, from audience perspective, they saw, bam, fall over. My hand not only obscured the moment of impact, but also made this echoing sound on the table. And every time, audience goes, oh! <laughs> and I'm like, don't smile, don't break character, don't smile. <laughs> but it, it's you don't get to do that with anything else. It's you know you don't get like Tim said. How did you survive that pummel to the face? And I'm like, no, I'm just tough, man. <laughs> but it's a thrill you don't get from almost anything, even just proper acting. Um, I've said this before. Hell, I think I said it in something else. Tim did is. Stuff like Ren Fairs is some of the most fun you can have acting. Because it's, it's literally nothing but, here, play pretend for like eight hours. <laughs> Go and put on a costume and pretend to be a magical elf for like six hours. It's some of the most fun you can have acting because you're literally being told, put on a costume, play pretend for eight hours. And society will not only find it acceptable, they will reward you for it. It's like Halloween, but longer. Or they'll mock you for it, you know. <laughs> yes, but I don't care about the, the Ren Faire audience is various. Yes. I'm part of the ones mocking you. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I know all you fuckers. It doesn't matter. We have your money. <laughs> that's, that's, that's no, you don't. Okay, not you. But in most cases, in most cases, the people who go and they laugh about it, it's like, it doesn't matter. We have your money. That's true. That's that's one of the reasons I did uh, stage combat when... To mock people? No, not to mock people. <laughs> um... What Jeff was talking about, about, you know, the thrill of acting and all that. I'm not so much the actor as I am the stage combat fighter. You've been getting steadily better at it for the past several years. To um, the point where, God, that last one was fun. <laughs> Just watching it was fun. Um, I, the very first experience that I had with stage combat was the old Renaissance Fair that doesn't even need a name. Um... And I wasn't even a stage combat fighter. I was one of the people that set up the stage for the scene. Because it was... When I... The, the first one I did, it was this big bar scene at the fair. And it was... Yeah, it was a bar fight. There were breakaway tables and breakaway glass and breakaway bottles and everything. Wait, why don't we do that anymore? I, because it's too expensive. Damn it! Um, but, like, that was my first experience with it. And I got... Actually, um, I'm sure that... Uh, the person I'm about to name will listen to this eventually, but I actually got to a, a scooter got dragged up onto the bar and slid down the bar and out the breakaway window. I got to serve a drink on him before they did that. <laughs> I was the bartender in the back because I had to do some like background stage stuff and I was the bartender. I served a drink on scooter and then they threw this. him out the window. I can see this in my head <laughs> and that must have been such fun. But and the year after that, I actually started doing stage combat with a sword. I bought my first sword, yes. and uh, the instructors at the time 
uh, taught like they taught very basic stage combat and then, yeah it was it was it was five block and there was a little bit of you know other stuff in it but you know they they didn't have the extensive knowledge that we got later so you know I it was, they, and my first fight I won which was awesome I just I won by literally someone just telling me and coming up this is your fight these five moves and you win. And that was it. Which is how it actually usually works. <laughs> I mean, they don't necessarily lay out the fight for you, but it's you two are fighting and you're going to win. And then your job is just make it look incredibly badass. I literally got I literally got from uh, the fight director, uh, here's your fight, it's 3-4, 3-4, 3-4-5, and you win. <laughs> that, was, that was my first fight. <laughs> my first fight. Proper, proper stage combat fight. was year one of the, the current fair. Uh, so, what was it, 2011? 2011. Was it 2011? Yeah, it was 2011. Yes. Yeah. It was 2011, and it was literally in five block because I, I trained in stage combat in, in school, but a longsword is significantly different from an epic, just from weight, and it had been years. And so I'm like, who to do these things? And then like, the people who were there at the time who were very competent, and some of them still are, what, um... <laughs> Take it from me, or I'm going to pour more. Seriously, that's what that means. She did all the right. God, but the people um were running were like, "Haha, no, you're going to do this basic thing." And it was okay. And I was met, paired up with someone who was much, much more experienced. Shane. And I'm like, okay. And it was the most basic fight. And to put into perspective, like some of the difficulties in the the. Some of the difficulties that come up with this, just in case someone heard this and goes like, oh, it's like sports, but wussy. We ran that thing, like, over and over, practiced it for months, and it was the most basic fight. And me, having a background, but having not practiced for several years, I still managed to screw it up every now and again. And all it was was, was you know, one, one, two, three, it was five block, twice, <laughs> and then we took each other out. And it was, it's yeah. still, it's, it's like, that's, that was the basic, that's what it should be, is the, here's your basic stuff, you're going to start with the basic freaking, that was one thing that fell apart in this past year because there were just too many damn people. Yeah. Here is, the, you know, you're going to start basic, here is your basic weapon, here are the moves, maybe if you're lucky you can have it footwork. Make a fight from that. And then if you're not terrible with that, you can keep going. And that has worked. Yeah. Again, referencing last year, and I'm sure we can go and you, I'm sure you can have references, but like uh, the the goblin fight with Maureen and Kristen? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember Those that two. fight. That was one of the yes. better fights. Yes, and let, let's, let's highlight that. Almost no one had any time for rehearsal. Um, this is a tangent, I don't care. Almost no one had any time for rehearsal. Um, everyone went in, with the exception of one group, best group. Um, <laughs> best group on best podcast. <laughs> with, with the exception of one group, everyone went in having had either not having rehearsed or having had no time because they have lives to rehearse. And these two went in with basic, basic fight. Literally, like if you watch and you know what you're looking at, it's okay, this is... This is the yeah. There wasn't anything there. fancy. No one pulled any fancy and footwork. It, it, was, it was one of the best looking fights, yeah. purely because 
after they knew what they were doing, they were able to speed it up a little, and they didn't need fancy stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, okay, I believe they're trying to kill each other, and now one of them has the other at sword point. Um, but that's what it should be. You start basic and you build yeah, you, off of you that. Yeah, you build a foundation. One of the best things that I got when when I started was that the first two years of, of me doing stage combat was literally you get one sword, this is five black, this is how you do it, this is the footwork you need to learn, this is how you do that. We're going to drill you for two solid months on doing that. After that... Maybe you can do something fancy. Yeah. As an audience member watching this shit and never having done it, if it's fast and boring, it's more interesting than slow and fancy. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're trying to pull off the fancy moves when you don't know what you're doing, you're going to look slow and clumsy. And it's going to look like it's fake. Yeah. If you want it to look real from an audience standpoint... I don't care if you do whatever the hell you're talking about. I remember that fight. I thought it was interesting. I thought besides the five-member ridiculous bullshit that you guys pulled off, <laughs> that it was, like, one of the better ones there. And, like, obviously, I don't think anything could top something that's fast and fancy. But... That's <laughs> valid. <laughs> it is. I mean, you guys worked really hard on that, and you practiced twice a week for I don't even know how many weeks. Six, yeah, six there you months. go. Six months, twice a week. Like, you're guaranteed to be one of the better ones there unless somebody else can top that sort of a schedule. But, well, actually, strictly speaking, that main fight was practiced for two months in, like, some change. But still. But it was twice a week, whereas most of the other groups I went to your eyes fight practice occasionally. First of all, the second night was something you guys did separately, all by yourselves. And the first night... The nights that I went, there may have been three other people there yeah. out of like the fifty well, that, that were part of this. Yeah, show. I mean that's that's a commitment yeah, thing that, that, that we that we yeah. did we extra. All, we, all did, <laughs> we all committed to that, and also we were all for varying degrees able to. There were people. There were people who didn't care, admittedly. And that's what I think. The thing is, like, obviously, everyone understands if you have a life and you work yeah. it out and you find some other time to practice. But, but you need to find time to practice. Yeah. Yeah. There were people who like to, to put it in perspective. There were people who. We're right here, and we're like, eh, I don't want to. And then there were people who were like, I'm going to drive down from Massachusetts. And my partner won't show up, who lives ten minutes down the road. <laughs> well, was, I wasn't going to use that example, but yeah, that happened. And then there were the people who were like, I'm only going to be able to do this a couple times. We will do our damn best. And, like, I remember that particular fight, and they clearly, they were very committed to it character-wise, and it was a great concept. It's just they did not have the time. Yeah. Well, I think what we what we have to say um, before we go too deeply into this is that <laughs> we we were unpaid we were unpaid volunteers. <laughs> this for us was we had a desire a to do this, like yes. and yeah, and it's a hobby. Um, well, we're me, not a, for me. It's a resume. Job yeah, for and a hobby. for Jeff, it's a resume thing. But for most of the group that we have, it's you have a desire to do this. So if you're in it, you're in it. And if you're not, then what are you doing? Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, if you have available time and you want to do this, it's, it's something that ticked me off about a few things that happened this past year is, and this is the acting background now, is if you are committed to a thing where you are performing, fucking be committed to it. Don't be there, like, two days before going, oh, I don't care about my lines, because fuck you. Fuck you, you are dragging everyone down. <laughs> if you are going to be in a performance, it doesn't matter if you're a good performer. I mean, it helps. It's nice. 
But in a thing like a Ren Fair, you don't need to be the best performer. You don't. That's just, you know, it's, it's a truism, which is the wrong word. It's a truth. You don't need to be that good, but you do need to at least know what you're saying and be committed to the thing you're doing, because otherwise, why are you bothering? Because it's not fun for you, obviously, and you're f***ing it up for everyone else, so why? It's the, and it's the same thing with, with stage combat stuff, is yes, I understand it's so much nicer to stay home. I get that, sometimes. Not necessarily for me. I like swinging metal and things. But for others, it's like, I, just, yeah, I can understand wanting to stay home, but if, if you're going to get into that, and the reason isn't you're, like, crippled, why, why do it? it it's, if you are in a performing thing, be committed to it, because that's literally the basis is you have to show the f- up. <laughs> show up and be reliable. Everything everything else comes from that. I mean, that's that's the entire business. That's, and I apologize to Tim and Amanda because they've heard this one before, but I'm going to get it in right now because it, it's valid. Is there's, The thing about acting as a business is roughly 50% of it is luck. And there are, well, 50% is either luck or effort, depending on your view. And then... Everything else but the last, like, ten or so percent is, is effort or luck, again, depending. And the last bit of that is skill. Um, and then there's a dog outside the door barking. Yeah, um, he's fine. <laughs> it, it's, you know, 50%, 50% luck or effort. The other 45% is, is luck or effort and that. There's a scene I saw once in, in a festival which honestly points out just how incredibly varied and non-reliable this is as a career because you'll, well, it's different things. This is what I saw, and it's, I, I, I kind of live by it, and I should do a better job of living by it, but it's, it's two people, and one is teaching another how to model. And he's teaching him, he's teaching him, and the other guy's not doing it, and finally comes down to the guy being talked going, look, I just, I'm sorry, I, just, I guess I just don't have the talent for this. And the other guy goes, talent! Talent! is excrement. There is only work. Call me when you're ready to work. And that's the attitude you have to have. Yeah. If you're going to get anywhere with it at all, or if you, even if you're going to be involved. Well, and some of it has to do with the mentality of what the, what the group is attached to. Mm-hmm. And, and the way things... The way things happen around the group. Yeah, that there were there were, God, were there reasons? It, it's not. It's like it's not the group itself. It's the outside factors affecting the group. Yeah, but I mean, even that. That's and to be this is the point where which I'm. I guess I'm sort of unfairly imposing um, professional standards on this. Is you leave outside out outside outside shit outside. Yeah. Is like, hey, do you hate this person? But are you, like, married to them in the script? Then you're fucking married to them and you love them in the script. Because <laughs> no one else cares if you dislike them outside of it. That's fine. It stays outside the performance space. Yeah. And the central issue with fairs is that doesn't happen. Yeah, That's... no, Renaissance fairs, every, uh, drama and, and, and character acting is the same thing. The drama llama is the god of Renaissance fairs. <clears throat> Hail to the drama llama. Pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not even in them. You just nope. observe. Yep. And yeah. <laughs> For two years, her job was literally observing. <laughs> literally, she just had to point a camera at things. <laughs> you, be a Rennie. Okay. 
No, I don't think I ever said okay to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, from behind the camera. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, because, oh God, I would make jokes, but I'd lose so many friends. <laughs> <laughs> me already. They're outside their fucking mind. They don't know who the fuck I am. And I'll beat them. <laughs> but we have we have uh, we have a one of the one of the better teachers who actually goes to he I, I heard this on uh, from him he goes to New York and he learns stage combat from stage combat masters and then comes back and then comes back <laughs> comes back with that and then teaches us yes. and he's even now bringing other stage combat trainers yeah. to us. And it's, I mean, it's worth noting, too, we, we said this before, is so much of that is, hey, guys, just do basic stuff. So much of it is, you can watch, you can watch high-end stage combat movies. Um, Disney's Chronicles of Narnia, before they gave up because they realized they couldn't remove the religious elements. Um, the Lord of the Rings movies, of course, are the, the granddaddy of that now because they decided to revitalize the European styles and to incorporate them. Uh, any... Any of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies where there's fighty bits. Yeah. Um, even when they're flinning, which is a stage combat term, which we can go to in a moment. A lot of it's just basic stuff. Yeah, a lot Most of it's... Most of the time they don't do fancy stuff. In, in fact, let's see. Uh, Lord of the Rings is all pretty basic. And a lot, one of the reasons for that is the basic stuff is what works. Yeah. Like, we have this, we have this big idea that just do the fancy... No, the basic stuff perseveres because it works. Well, a lot of times they're trying to have the actual actors do the stage combat who don't have experience. They can't go fancy. Unless it's something they can do a wide angle and get a stunt person in there, they can't well, go even, fancy. What's it? I'm referring to use Lord of the Rings as an example. Vigo, someone told Vigo Mortensen, Vigo, we're going to teach a stage combat. He went, okay. And then he proceeded to get better at it than any of the stunt guys. Um, but even if you watch, if you watch him... In those movies, everything he does, everything the character of Aragorn does, fight-wise, is really simple. It's all, like, really basic... Well, because he's... Yeah, he's moves this way, and then I stab you. He's got, he's got a two-handed broadsword that he's just fucking winging around, yeah. so... but even, like, all of his parries are really simple things. Yeah. Bind sword over, punch face, stab, repeat. And it's, like, it makes sense, then, that the way to get good stage combat is here are your basics... Um, the more complex stuff, the only the one time that springs to mind that I've seen that in, in movies and it's been done really well, as an obviously not, you know, kung fu movie wirework bullshit, was Disney's Chronicles of Narnia, the Prince Caspian movie, in one specific fight. Um, Peter versus evil Spanish guy. Because his name doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and he wins via... He one he wins because armor, but he he parries an incoming attack edge to edge because fuck the guys who say it's supposed to always be done edge to flat, and wraps the sword around. I can't even I, to this day can't repeat it yet, and then just forces the guy's arms to to bend because that's how bodies work and stabs him with his own sword. <laughs> And it's the most complex. It's one of the most complex moves you'll see in in recent movies. Um, another example of good good stuff being Kingdom of Heaven. No, really, watch it. But it's it's before that they're just swinging at each other. Yeah. And it's because that's what works. 
Yeah, well, one of the things that I learned early on was that you learn the basics, and then you can add Flash to it, uh, which is one of the things that uh, my original fight instructor told me, was that you learn the basics, and then you can add spins. Like, that's that's pretty much it, <laughs> is, is you, do, you do what you need to do to be a solid, all-around co- stage combat fighter, and then you can start doing spins and yeah. Yoda stuff. And I mean, also a major, major part of that. I'm going to do, again, you said before, you'd rather see fast and basic than slow and fancy because the latter looks terrible. Yeah. A major part of even the fancy stuff, at least in stage combat, is you have to sell it acting-wise. Yes, yeah, that too. You have there to, is... because otherwise it's like, all right, now we're doing the thing. Okay. And that's why a lot of the times the, uh, the fake unarmed things just... They suck because you have to be. You have to show it. You yeah. have to. You have to act half of that, but yeah. more than half, I'm sure. But you have to act it for it to actually look like it's decent. You know what's a good example of that um, from last year's fair? Uh, Kate and Heather's fight. <laughs> it wasn't fast. No. It what? Yeah. How wow? It wasn't, huh? It wasn't no. fast. It was smooth. There was unarmed combat, yep. and they even put fake blood in there. And it there, was believable. And they completely and it sold awesome. it. Yes. It was, I mean, just yeah, that word, believable. That fight was campy as hell in places. Yeah. And it still worked. Yeah. Never, at any point, we're sitting there going, this is dumb. In fact, nope, that it was, was entertaining one. every time I watched it. Yeah, every Doesn't time. Matter. We saw it three times. Three at least. Yeah. Yeah. We saw the fight a lot of war. Probably six times. Two, four, six. Six yeah. times. So that fight six times. It was great every time. Yeah. And it was just... And every single time when the blood came out, I was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, because the fight, the fight itself was... The fight itself was very the, basic. Oh, Yes. <laughs> the fight itself was very basic, but because they were very good at acting... Mm-hmm. Yes. They sold the shit out of it. It was campy as hell. There was innuendo everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're married. So that's almost to be expected. And <laughs> and the fact that they pulled off fake blood. I, where was she keeping that? God, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But when she put when she when she got the fake blood when she pretended to get cut and then put it over her face <laughs> and was like, "I'm going to kill you now." And then the best part of the fight was at the end when uh, Heather goes in for the killing blow and Kate tickles her. Yeah, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Ha ha ha!" It's gonna end silly. And then and then Heather just grabs her like she's Darth Vader. Yeah, only you know direct physical. And, like, bears her to the ground. <laughs> and it, it's... Oh, it was just... It was a great example. It's online somewhere. I it think. is. It's on YouTube, actually. Someone find that, find that and watch it. Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair 2013. And maybe we'll post fights. it on our site. Yeah, maybe we'll it. post it on our on our Facebook. But just, like, it's, it's a fantastic example of that. And even... The fight we mentioned before. Uh, Maureen and... Her name is Kristen, right? Because I'm terrible at... I think it's Kristen, yeah. If it's not, I'll just bleep it out. It'll be fine. She's going to find me and hurt me if I'm wrong. Because I should know by now. But that just that fight they did, another reason it was so good is because they were committed to their character. You never had character get lost because it's like, um, what are we doing? You, it was, they were fully committed to what they were doing. 
even when they weren't getting it right. Like, there were times they missed moves, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It it, it worked very well. Well, Also, their characters were sort of supposed to be inexperienced in weapons as well, so it played to their strengths, which was uh, they had to really more act it than stage combat. Um... Something else. Oh, flinning. Might as well fill this in. I imagine most people hearing this will know, but what flinning is 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 it tic-tacking? Is it sort of. It that's part of it. Um The term comes from Errol Flynn, who you know his name even if you have no idea who he is. He was an actor years and years ago, famous for Robin Hood, parts like that. And Flinning is when you swing a sword not at someone, but at the space in front of them. And they swing their sword to meet it. And that's how the fight goes. And it's not at all, even remotely, how actual fighting works. It yeah. It <laughs> looks really, really cool. And, like, people will mock this. But one, it looks really cool. Two, Errol Flynn was a fencer. He knew what he was doing. He knew what would look best and what wouldn't. You can watch um, the Robin Hood movie he's in with Basil, Basil Rathbone. That entire fight... A lot of that is them flinning at each other. There's a scene in Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dead Man's Chest, the water wheel. Yes. They're not swinging at each other. Yeah, no, they're just going. Yeah, that's that's not, it's it's essentially, the, the only way it would be remotely realistic is if you're trying to knock someone's sword out of the way, but in real fighting you wouldn't do that that much because real weapons weren't meant to be hit against each other all the time. Yeah, no, real, real weapons were supposed to come in contact a few times before you cut the guy in half. Yeah, this, this is why also why I mentioned the edge-to-edge and edge-to-flat blocking. There are vastly different schools of thought in both stage combat and the actual reinvigorating um, old combat-style schools about how parrying worked. And like with most things where there are extremes, the real answer is probably it was both. Because you wouldn't want to block with the flat of your blade all the time because it would snap. You will see video. You can find videos online. It'll, it'll bend. Yeah, <laughs> and if it bends far because a sword, a good, a well-made sword, can bend far enough that the other one will just slide over and hit you. Um, but you will see videos online. You can find them where people are arguing. No, no, flat, flat to edge blocking is the only right thing, and we don't care if anyone else thinks it. And these guys are idiots. But at the same time, to argue that you'd always parry edge to edge is wrong, because it would fuck up the thing you need to hurt the other person. Yeah. So, really, logically, what you do is you do both. You knock something away with the flat of a blade, which, just because it's more convenient at the time, everything is economy of motion. Not only, this is one, another really great thing about stage combat, is the central difference between stage combat, trained right at least, and actual fighting with a weapon is stage combat moves are bigger. Yeah, they're all, they're all flash. There's no, there's very little substance to stage combat moves, Except for maybe the blocks. Yes, but at the same time, if you tighten all those up, they become valid. Yeah. The points you're aiming at in stage combat are pretty much where you'd want to aim. It's just... It's just like outside those points. Yes, you're never going to hit someone with a swing that starts on the other side of your body, goes all the way around, and then comes in. I I believe the term that that we use for our points is the hips and the nips. Yes, because Chris (laughs) is amazing. Um, and yeah, those those are your targets. But it's just, it's... Not wait, there goes the train of thought. Come back. He's gone. Uh, We've uh, lost him. That's alright, I'm gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. <noticed. laughs> 
It's, well, right, um, the point was economy of motion. It's, you do, even in stage combat, you do whatever is ideal. Obviously, you make it look good, which makes you expend a little more energy, but you do whatever is most efficient. You don't waste mo movement or energy, which, yeah, that's, that's like whenever someone tells you real fighting doesn't look good, they're an idiot. They're an idiot who's watched too much bad MMA, where it's just extreme hugging, and they haven't watched people who actually are trained fighters do trained fighting things that aren't that aren't extreme hugging. Well, the thing with the thing with MMA is ninety percent of the fights end up on the ground. Yeah, which which is to be fair, how a lot of fights go. But the thing is, that's not all of fighting. And to say that all fighting is just yeah. hug each other and punch each other's crotch is wrong. There is anytime you've seen an actual martial artist move. In a fight. I don't mean, like, again, two guys who are trained um, jiu-jitsu fighters fighting each other, because of course that's going to be a wrestling match. I mean, like, yeah. watching the Kidoka defend themselves, that's beautiful. It's terrifying, and it's, yeah. not, uh, it's not like The Matrix. But to say that's, that doesn't look good is stupid. Yeah, and the problem with the MMA fighting is they found out a certain style of fighting works better... The submission fighting works better than striking. That's yes. that's the only thing in, that wrestling in general is is amongst the peak martial arts when you pit it against other martial arts. The thing is, a lot of martial arts exist as self defense against people who don't know martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> that and for that and for a while at least, no one had any idea what to do about jujitsu. Yeah, there are there are early things you can watch with with MMA where people who are like kung fu. Uh, martial artists will close to within like two feet of, of a, someone trained in jiu-jitsu and then start to move at which point they just get football tackled and then the fight ends yeah and it's like don't don't do that before before MMA was everything all at once it was everyone separately trying to figure out which style is dominating yeah and it ended up being jiu-jitsu yeah because grappling works a lot more effectively than trying to punch a guy well I mean it, it works Hilariously, and this is something that bugs me about it, is because for the longest time, martial arts were, hey, a person who's not necessarily huge and strong, learn this and you'll be capable. And now all the, the big tough guys who formerly did boxing are like, no, bro, I'm doing the main, bro. Yeah, tap out, bro. Take the shirt off. <laughs> Take the shirt off, asshole. Um, the trick of it is... I don't know what's happening. I know. That's awesome. The, the trick of that is... Command is gone. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. This Half of what I'm saying is just to see her sing further into confusion. <laughs> uh, whatever, man. Whatever. The, the trick of... Drink, drink more. I, drink more. I can't. Drink. I can't. Drink. I'm out of Diet Coke. <laughs> there's, no, there's, there's a whole yeah, bottle of it right there. I have to finish that one tonight because it'll be like flat by tomorrow. No, it won't. It'll be fine. Anyway... It's, it's the same reason, like, Aikido works so well, is everybody bends the same way. With the exception of people who are double-jointed, if you bend someone's wrist a certain way, they will always have the same response. It's not even a pain tolerance thing. It's, oh, hey, your limbs stopped working. And jiu-jitsu runs on the same principle. So, of course, it works better. Yeah. Because when you're punching someone, there's all these different factors, like how well they can take being punched in the face or having bones break, etc. Right. That's, that's different, but, you know, like, the huge guy will respond the same way to their arm being twisted just so as the other, the small, quick guy. So, there's that. Well, uh, I, I believe, according to my computer, that that is about an hour. Ha <laughs> ha! 
Tangents. Well, also, there's an extra ten minutes from the other clip that I have to add to this. So. Tangents. So, uh... They do tours of the Cape Cod Chip Factory. <laughs> Did you know that? Monday through Friday. Oh, my God. You just go there, and they just do tours. It just says literally drop by. Do you do stop by appointment? You do no, not like call us up? No, yeah, you're gonna be like, feel free to email, call, or drop by. We offer tours Monday through Friday. You just show up one day. All right. It's like the 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 Turkey Hill ice cream. You just sort of show so up. So I know what we're doing on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks to Jeff for joining us, and we'll have you back. And you drop he likes the phone. To throw his thing. Oh God. Listen. Now we glad that you have a stupid phone yes. because it's certainly not going to break. That's after that. why. <laughs> yes, I. You've got an OtterBox. It wouldn't break either. I'm sure, it wouldn't. I would find a way. It wouldn't. You know, I had an OtterBox on my last phone. Zeus ate it <laughs> Shit. repeatedly. She had an OtterBox on the phone before that. I spilled ginger ale on it. It broke. No, I didn't have an OtterBox on that one. <laughs> After you did that, I got an OtterBox on the next one. Regardless, thank you for having me and having me to derail everything that was said ever. To yes, all the derail. We talked about things that I don't. I didn't think we would talk about. I don't know what we talked about. <laughs> me neither, because that's how conversations with me go. It's okay. That's okay. We'll we'll have you back for another wild t- tangent. I'm going to help you. It's, it's going to be. You'll be known as Tangent Jeff. I'm pretty sure I already am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, thank you. <laughs>